And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters here of the studios of Triple H 100.1 FM and across the community radio network. My name is Alexi Boyd. Thank you for joining me once again for another fantastic week of great small business education. And I'm absolutely enthralled about today's show because I've got a bit of a, I guess, a small business royalty on the show. She is very well known in the regional and rural areas all across Australia for being an absolute champion of small business. Welcome to the program, Joe Palmer. Good morning, Alexi. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, you are out and about today. You're heading up one of the conferences, many conferences that you go to and speak at. Tell me a little bit about the conference that you're at today. Um, well, I'm actually in Sydney um, today for the Future Work Summit. So I'm on a panel um, and also in their interactive stage area um, doing a bit of a spruik about all things remote work, which um, is very exciting. Exactly, and that's what we're going to be talking about today because you are, I guess, the expert. You've, <laughs> you've got yourself named as the so-called poster child of the NBN. Um, thanks to the rollout of the NBN, I guess it is making it easier. So I'll do a bit of an intro. Um Basically, to explain to people, a remote worker is someone who obviously works in Australia um, remotely, uh, elsewhere apart from the cities. But they can, of course, be living in the cities. It's just about someone who doesn't work in your workplace. And today's show is all about helping small business to understand how you can tap into the wealth of talent right here in Australia. The NBN, of course, has rolled out more and more remote communities. And with this brings a great opportunity for talented, highly skilled workforce to tap into the so-called shortage of the Australian Australian small business community. And the matchmaker in all of this, of course, is Jo Palmer. For those of you who don't know, she's the founder of Pointer Remote Roles and is a rural powerhouse who's passionate about promoting rural, uh, sorry, remote working in a relationship between city and bush through onshoring. And that's a word she's going to explain to us later. So welcome again to the program. Oh, thank you. Now, of course, first I need to congratulate you for being awarded the Australian National Rural Women Woman of the Year, which is a title so well de- deserved. Can you um, tell us about your experience uh, in your career leading up to this and why you've become so passionate about supporting the bush and remote working? Well, I feel with an introduction like that, I um, <laughs> should have a, a spectacular story behind it. <laughs> I think, um, well, I like very like well, a good majority of, of small business owners and have have sort of fallen into each step of my career <laughs> to an extent i um i actually trained as a primary teacher and taught on and off in in australia and in the uk and north america um for about 10 years before um coming back to to australia with my husband and i i started my first business which was a comprehensive learning center so we did tutoring and holiday programs and things and we were operating um, across three towns in the southern Riverina in New South Wales um, at my my peak and I had about 30 teachers working for me across three towns um, doing yeah the, doing the programs and tutoring that we were running and so that was my sort of my first um, experience with with small business and um, managing staff and managing staff in different locations um, and I then fell into my next um, sort of path, um, well, part of my pathway when a girl that I'd gone to school with got in touch saying that they had a, a position going for their Sydney-based corporation, that they, they needed someone to work remotely for them um, a couple of days a week for about eight months of, months of the year managing the sponsorship for their event each year. 
and they didn't need someone physically in the office. They just needed someone with an ABN that could contract to them. And um, my friend was like, oh, well, Jo's got an ABN. She's got her own business. She might be interested in this job. And so I'd had my first baby by this stage and had um, sort of pared back a bit on, on the tutoring business. I'd, um, I'd closed down two of the, um, the, the sites and had sold the, the third one. And so I started this, this job that I would um, go and have coffee and things with my girlfriends and then I would trot home and, and do my, my job from the, the kitchen table in my active wear, which was the envy of all of my friends. But it then moved into starting a business that I co-founded with a girlfriend of mine in Walker. And so we found that it wasn't just the the, the organisation that I was working for that found... Um, having someone manage the sponsorship for their event, a bonus for them to do. So we started um, a company called Agri Alliance and um, we did sponsorship and event management for events um, in the ag space pretty much all over Australia. And Sally, my business partner, has brought me out of that business. But because we were running that company completely remotely, um, Sally from her farm north of Wagga and mine from my farm south of Wagga, and all of our customers and clients were all over Australia. And we sort of realised that running a remote company was actually a really effective way to run things and it was a really um, fabulous way to do things when you're physically isolated. And I realised that um, this was actually not a really easy thing for people to find a job that they could do from anywhere. So segue into business number three, which... Um, We've been going for two and a half years now. So Pointer is a, a job matching platform that businesses all over Australia, so um, regional, rural, remote and metro, they can advertise a position um, to our candidate pool if it doesn't matter where the person filling the role lives. So they could live on the northern beaches in Sydney or they could live on a farm in central Queensland. So if you've got access to good internet service and um, your phone service is good, then I think that you should have the right to access a job from wherever you live in Australia. So with all of those experiences and having lived yourself um, in various, um, you know, remote, not necessarily remote, but I guess more regional communities, does that expose you to the community out there and what they really need? I mean, what is it, what is it like to, to work in a really remote situation? Uh, how does that affect people's, I don't want to say mental health, but how does it affect people's um, ability to connect with one another? Do you, think, do you think that's problematic, the remoteness of these locations for some? Um, well, look, I personally haven't lived in a in a really remote area. My, my I grew up in a rural town, but then have lived in more nearby to a, a regional centre for the last sort of five or ten years. So um, I haven't lived and breathed that experience that a lot of the candidates on our on our platform do live every day. Um, but look, I think that it is it depends. It's such a personal experience for so many people. Physically, a lot of those people are isolated from a job that they can go into an office nine to five, Monday to Friday. Those offices are 2,000 kilometres away. So mm. that's just not a practical circum like circumstance for them. Um, I think if those people are wanting to work then and they haven't got access to a job that's off-farm, then I feel that's when there's a, a detrimental effect that can and, and it can affect mental health side of things. If you're really wanting to work, 
work and you're feeling physically isolated and professionally isolated, that can be a really challenging time for people, especially when the weather has been so ordinary, like we're experiencing in some parts of Australia some of the worst drought on record. And the need to be able to access work, paid work, um, can often be like a real lifeline that's needed for families living in like remote areas. And it's not just a lifeline for those families because, of course, when you support a family, and it's not just about, this isn't altruism we're talking about here, we're talking about tapping into some seriously incredible talent. People make the decision to move um, into regional and rural or remote communities for a variety of reasons. It doesn't mean that they necessarily lose all of those work skills and those abilities in that professional development. That's something that can really be tapped into. So aside from, obviously, the financial side of things, you're supporting... I guess not only the individual or the family, but you're also supporting the entire community because you're literally injecting funds into that community. Have um, has that been a real turnaround for your candidates when they've when they've found the positions that they love? Oh, absolutely! Like, and you can't argue with it if you think like the the average wage in Australia is around eighty three thousand dollars a year, and if you think about putting someone in a rural, regional, remote community, putting that salary into their community, you you can't not have a positive effect. That means that they are more likely to be spending locally. They go and have dinner at the pub once a fortnight and are spending money there. They're, rather than driving five hours to do a, a big food shop, they might be more likely to shop at their local IGA or things like that. So the, the direct effect of even just one person um, working remotely in a community is huge, let alone when you start compounding that number of people that you're putting into work it can really it can really affect in a positive way all the other small businesses in that community now how do you come across the negative mindset around you know it's all too hard to hire someone remotely you mentioned at the beginning that um, it's a lot less expensive because you don't have to pay for the desk and you don't have Mm. to pay for the computer and the equipment Um, and this person is sort of I guess taking on the responsibility of all that stuff which everyone already has in their home. Um, what are the other positive effects for, a, say, a small business who wanted to bring someone remotely? Well, my, um, my go-to when people ask this is I think that, one, you, like you said, all of those, those financial benefits of not having to rent more office space or, or have, have someone physically in your office. But if you're hiring professional candidate to fill a role that is the best person for that job, their skills, their experience, their training, all of those things, and you have that person and they're working remotely from your office, the bonuses that you get from that come from the fact that this ability to have more of a work-life balance because they're they're working flexibly, they're not sitting in traffic in a commute time that is making them want to pull their hair out. So you're finding things that you've got a lower staff turnover rate because the the career and the job are actually becoming part of life rather than this, this thing that's being forced that then ends up quite often being the breaking point of why people resign. Um, hiring people is expensive. Training people is expensive on time and money of having to start again all the time. So if you've got people that are loving work because it works with life, then they're less likely to leave. So that's a huge bonus of having someone working remotely. Um, another thing that I really like to advocate for is that, um, especially for metro-based businesses, is that a third of Australia lives in regional Australia. And if you're hiring someone remotely who happens to live in the regions, you're getting um, 
geographic diversity into your business that you're getting to know how a third of your potential as national company, a third of your potential customers, you're getting an actual insight into how they think, how they shop, how they act, all of these things that you actually then have got that insight on your on your like um, in your in business they're employed in there and that goes the same for not just geographic diversity but all forms of diversity so your age diversity gender race ethnicity all of these things that remote work doesn't discriminate around that you can have this incredible um, diversity injected into your business um, as well as having all the financial benefits that go with that. Exactly. And I really like what you were saying there about the fact that if you expose yourself or or bring on to your team someone who lives that life, like you said, a third of the people within Australia are living in regional remote communities. That's a third of your potential customer base that you don't know very much about because you don't live in that community. You don't understand what they do during work time or after hours, how they shop. Um, what their habits are, and that's a great way of tapping into and understanding better what how those people live. And, and like you said, you know, a third a third of people in Australia that's that's a big chunk of uh, potential yeah, customers. Absolutely, especially for like for businesses that are in in e-commerce. Just knowing things like so, like I said, I only live half an hour south of a. a an inland city that has nearly 70,000 people, but I only get mail three times a week. So if I'm purchasing online, my mail is delivered on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. So even for businesses to be able to promise delivery times and bits and pieces like that, if you don't actually know that that's how things work in the bush, then that that can be a real issue with your customer service with, again, like we said, a third of your potential customers. And with that online shopping habits as well, the um, the discussion around, um, I mean, I guess we can all envisage how people shop in the city because we, we understand that lifestyle, but how and when, what time of day, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what are they working around? Because they're certainly not just working around the school run and traffic, they're working around some pretty complex issues. So I think it's interesting for people to know, uh, I guess, how they, um, how they shop. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, um, I imagine you probably get a lot of pushback with, well, you know, I can't even get decent remote, a decent NBN in my area. How does it work for people who live remotely? What What's the general solution to that question? Uh, <laughs> solution? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we, look, we are very aware of that being a challenge and that being almost an excuse that businesses use to, to sort of push back on this concept. We... Candidates, when they register onto our platform, do an onboarding call. They talk to one of our, our humans that are um, on our end of things. And so we're actually screening candidates when they register with us. So they, in order to be um, accepted onto the platform and to be able to receive jobs and be put forward for jobs with Pointer, they've had their um, their phone service checked. We um, They have to ensure that they've got um, a, a standard of, of internet connection that can withstand video calls um, and being able to, to, to set this up so that we're not setting people up for failure. It's, um, I can remember in relatively early days, I, I did an onboarding call with um, a woman that said, oh, hi, yep, I said, I'll ring into the call, yep, yep, just give me a second. And I heard her sort of shuffle out and I said, oh, what's happening? She said, oh, look, we've only got service just on one corner of our veranda, so I've pretty much just got to hang off the, uh, the side of the house 
to get you Paul. And I said, oh, look, I'm going to stop you right here because I really, we can't go any further if, if that's literally because you setting your desk up on the corner of the deck's not really going to work when you're doing a job. So it still really is a challenge for some people and I, it's something that is, is really difficult for us when we have to say, look, this isn't going to work for you. But that can happen in Mossman. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's still absolutely. some pretty significant black spots in Sydney where people are dangling off verandas anywhere, um, even in metropolitan Sydney. Um, so, how does the discussion go when you're uh, when you're when you're you're given a communications minister? Because I'm sure someone of your standing in the community does get in front of politicians. Is that the first thing you talk about in the NBN and improving it? Um, no. Because I feel they get like that's something that people are banging on to them about all the time. I try and put whenever I get the the ear of a politician, I'm trying more for the angle of um, I suppose advocacy and trying to get them to think outside the box of how they can be encouraging businesses to be tapping into this candidate pool. Because I think um, it's not just like we spoke about those individual communities where where people are bringing one salary in, if government can be encouraging especially those businesses to be to be accessing this this candidate pool and and putting these professionals who are, are skilled and experienced like us as a society have already said, gosh, I can't even imagine how much money on university fees and all these sorts of things educating and giving these people experience in the workplace that are sitting idle, like it it makes really, really good sense, economic sense to be putting as much of the workforce that's willing and able to work into it. So that's more about where I sort of hear about politicians around that angle. So if you had a wish list, would it include um, a, a basically a requirement of all government agencies to have a certain proportion of remote workers? Oh, absolutely. A third of their people they're representing live in regional Australia. Why shouldn't like a third of their staff be making made up of it? I bet like you that'd get the there. NBN up and running pretty quick if it was starting mm-hmm. to cause them frustrations as well. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> I think we just found a solution to everyone's problems. <laughs> so um, we've talked about the advantage to the community, obviously, and the advantage to um, the, the small business owner in and around you know having flexibility of workers. I love that expression you've got that geo diversity and understanding how a third of Australians operate in their everyday lives to be better customers. Mm. Um, talk to me about what, like, how does the process work if you wanted to use a company like Pointer um, to, to sort of engage um, with someone in a remote community? Because you don't, we don't have access to them. We don't, um, it's not like we can pick up the phone and go, hey, mate, you live in Wagga, do you know someone who can do this? I mean, it's, it's a bit more complex than that. So, so what's the actual practical process? Well, that's why we exist. I am now that channel. I am the the way to, to tap into this network. And so literally um, we've got a, a variety of ways that you can um, that you can access the, the talent pool as far as being an employer. But if you're ready to roll and you want to, to do this way of um, looking for your next employee or if you're looking to just even maybe baby steps, make it more flexible for your employees that you've already got working for you so that you can iron out any um, any bits and pieces that might make it challenge for your next hire to be be remote. But literally you can head to our website which is pointerremoteroles.com.au and you can have a look at what sort of 
pricing structure works for you. But in theory, your job description goes out to our vetted candidate pool. And I have to add in there that actually our candidates pay to be on the platform as well. They pay a once-off um, sign-on fee. Which... Is that pretty typical of, of organisations such as yourself? Do you... Not at all. No, not at all. And we um, we sort of get some raised eyebrows about that aspect of the business. But what we've found is that businesses, once they sort of realise that, oh, hang on, these candidates are paid to be on here, they are seeing that we have a really motivated like job seeker candidate pool. But I would say that's the same for anyone who's looking for work in a remote location. They're all going to be pretty um, enthusiastic about, um, you know, and serious about doing that because I guess from a logistical perspective, the change in their lifestyle um, to suddenly be working three, four, five days a week uh, compared with not is... Because I think maybe when, when you're surrounded by people who all work nine to five, that becomes part of your everyday movement, um, yep. your way you live, whereas in the remote community, that might be um, quite a big change. But again, I mean, um, we're sort of horses for courses we're talking about. You know, some people might live like you are half an hour away from a, a major inland city, whereas others might be living in the middle of central Queensland. It's all different. Yeah, or like living in the CBD of Melbourne. So this is the thing. So we, like where this candidate pool is not solely regional, we've got a sort of 80-20 um, split of our candidate pools to um, regional to metro. But um, when those businesses advertise a job with us, our, the job description goes out to those candidates and the candidates that um, are happy with the job description, the rate of pay, the hours and all of those bits and pieces, they then um, elect to put their profile forward. And so you've then cut a, a fair bit of the, I suppose, back and forth out with that. So the profile of the candidate goes to the business owner and it has got their... Um, obviously, we've screened that their internet and their phone service is good. We've done two generic reference checks and those are also with their profile, with their CV. Mm. And so then the business can choose to um, who they'd like to, to interview from there. So that's really what you should expect from from a company that's going to help you on board. Once you've obviously made the choice about who it is that you'd like to fill that position, um, what's, some, what's some good software that you recommend to people to use to keep the communication channels open? Oh, gosh, I've got so many. But we, um, look, as far as I run a completely distributed team, my, we don't have an office such that everyone comes to it all. My, my um, community manager lives up near Armidale and we've got um, our team that have, have contracted to us from three across three states. Um, but we use a project management um, software called Basecamp, um, but there's some really amazing other bits and pieces that you can use. Does Trello, that enable you Asana. to communicate as well? Yep. So we, we use um, Basecamp. It's pretty much we've got a an, uh, no internal emails rule, so we use everything lives in Basecamp pretty much, and so we you can message in there, you can assign tasks to each other, you can store documents, you can put links to Google Documents and Sheets all sorts of bits and pieces in there. So we, we use that pretty much. We live in there every day. That's sitting open on, um, on everyone's computers. But look, there's lots of different messaging tools like Slack, um, even use WhatsApp mm. on the phone. There's and there's Asana as well. That sounds to me like it's another option for an org, like a, uh, a, a program that offers all those solutions as well. Yeah. So it sounds so. to me like, you know, there's... 
There's definitely, you know, I guess the, the, the questions you always get are, are solved if you engage with um, a company that's done all that vetting procedures in the first place anywhere, anyway, and you've got people who are professionals who are serious about getting those sort of roles. What um, Can you tell me typically what sort of roles um, a remote worker, what, what skills a remote worker might have, or is it really just it could be anything? Um, look, I try not to say, oh, it can be anything. Well, we say, obviously, if they're not on the tools, then uh, we can advertise it. So if they're not a boilermaker or a, uh, a hairdresser, then um, we, we can advertise the job. But, look, we've found that businesses are more likely to go ahead, especially if this is the first time, especially in small business. Like a small business, it's highly unlikely that you will have an in-house accountant or a lawyer or a graphic designer or a web designer. So you would have contracted those people in or you've used an agency or to get those skills into your business. And so I think that if you think of anything that is conducive to not physically being in your office, then we can help you with that. A lot of small businesses come to us saying, I just need to just carbon copy duplicate myself. So I need an executive assistant or I need someone that is going to be able just to do some admin or the payroll or bookkeeping through to, okay, we need like an overhaul of our website or we need a new logo for the business. Like all of those sorts of jobs, we've got those professionals sitting ready to go on the platform. Yeah, and I think that's what, I think as long as you consider it in terms of professionals, then it gives mm-hmm. you a really a good idea of, and anyone, like you said, not on the tools. Yeah, <laughs> and look, we, yeah, and we, we, look, the majority, it's not a, we don't, it's not a rule when people are signing on with us, but we find that um, majority of our candidates are tertiary qualified. We did some internal surveying recently and we, 34% of our candidates that, completed the survey have got like postgraduate or doctorate or master's degree like it's crazy the the talent that's on there so I think when businesses are contemplating especially if they're going to to use pointer as a way to, to connect with these people is don't think that it has to be something that you you think that that it's an almost unskilled work like I aim high like you can you can have like professionals that have had 15 to 20 years corporate experience in their field working for you um, and you could be tapping into them and you might and this is the thing you might need their skills only one day a week where that's actually affordable for a small business rather than feeling like oh gosh we have to put someone on full-time in the office and we have to be finding things for the rest of the week to fill their their day because we're paying all this money to have them there it's a really fabulous way of if you're budgeting or forecasting for the next year to have like one FTE of staff in your business rather than trying to hire a jack of all trades you could hire three remote staff that um, are working part-time for you but actually have the skills in the areas that you need for your business to grow. Well that uh, sums it up nicely thank you so much for joining us today Joe. and um, I'm really thrilled um, that uh, that you've got the Australian Rural Woman of the Year that's um very, very, very much well deserved. I'm sure everybody listening would agree. Um, and thanks for sharing with us your experience about how remote working works and how um, there's quite a few, you know, uh, concerns that people might have that are a bit unfounded and that it's really quite, quite simple. Um, so tell us how people can find out about more about pointer remote roles. Um, well, like I said, you can head to our website, pointerremoteroles.com.au or feel free to find me or us on LinkedIn, Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, we're pretty much everywhere there. But look, I always love to connect with, with small business owners on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to chat and see how, even if you're not ready to take the plunge, how we can be supporting you to sort of at least get things in line before you, before you do jump in. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining me, Alexi Boyd, on Small Biz Matters.